You're listening to Jesus is Everything, the teaching ministry of The Way, Eugene. And that is where we are this morning. So please grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4 and find your way to verse 21, Mark 4, 21. And as you do that, the background of this, as we studied on Wednesday night, is that Jesus has just finished using this parable, this uh, story, specifically an agricultural analogy, to show his listeners how God's word works within the hearts of people. And how for God's word, which Jesus uh, uses the analogy or the picture of a seed, like a farmer planting seed onto the soil, the soil has to be prepared and ready to receive it. But when the soil is prepared and it is right, then what happens, according to Jesus, is that those that were, uh, that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept the word of God, and then they bear fruit. And then he uses this statement. They bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And one of the things we, we talked about on Wednesday that's important for us to all take a moment and understand is this, that the Christian life, Following Jesus takes time. I think oftentimes we have a spirit of, of uh, zeal when we learn about the Lord and we love the Lord and we want everybody to love Jesus with us and that's right, that's good. But we can oftentimes get frustrated because wherever we're at in our devotion and how excited we are, we expect other people to match our level of excitement where we are and the reality is that each person has an individual experience with the Lord. The Lord calls at different times. You know, Jesus used the, the, the parable, and there was four different kinds of soil. There was hard ground where the seed, the word of God, couldn't even get in. There was rocky soil where there were cares and troubles that were choking out the word of God, right? There was, the, and, and then finally, there was that good soil that could receive the word. When that happens for you or for me, our individual lives, God's in charge of that. We can't hurry that up in anyone else, as we'll see as well today. But when the word of God gets into someone's heart, there's still growth that has to happen. It's not like you believe in Jesus, and then all of a sudden there's this download dump of all the information you need to know as a Christian. No, it's the rest of your life following after what Jesus has said. And then as you progress in walking with the Lord, there will be moments where you see growth. Maybe it's 30-fold. And then later on in life, as you've been consistent and you keep walking with Jesus, then there's 60-fold. And then maybe at some point there's 100-fold. All that means is that the, the fruit that is built out of the Christian life, the results of the Christian life, they expand and grow over time. And even Mike, Mike made the point on Wednesday night, it's about consistency. It's about staying the course and realizing that your example over a long period of time is the testimony of Jesus. And that's where people are drawn. It's not necessarily putting on a big show or being hot to trot about a revival of some kind or any of those types, types of things. It's the, it's the person who just walks with Jesus consistently over time that we see that growth take place. And that's important for us to realize that, man, we can't speed up that experience. Following Jesus is a lifelong pursuit. Now, in this passage, Mark chapter 4, Jesus moves from that parable of the farmer spreading seed, which he explains is the word of God, 
and that it takes root in healthy, good soil, and then it produces over time. And then he immediately moves into using the idea or the metaphor of light in the Christian life and how that light is supposed to operate in the life of a follower of Christ. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 4, verse 21. It says, And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Perhaps we're familiar or more familiar with Matthew's accounting of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he talks about light versus Mark's accounting here of Jesus talking about light. Right In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about being salt in the world and how we're to be a preservative in the world and we're to add flavor to the world. And then he talks about light in similar language where he says, you don't take light and, and put it under a basket and hide it. You put it on a lampstand in the house so that everyone can see that light. And then he says, just like a city on a hill, you as followers of Jesus are supposed to let your light shine in such a way that people see your good works. And then they praise the Father in heaven for your good works. We're familiar with that accounting and teaching of Jesus in regard to the light of us as Christians, but there's something more here in Mark's account that I find to be incredibly encouraging and perhaps challenging. He says again in verse 22, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you, as a follower of Jesus, have light inside of you, if your mind and your heart have been illuminated to the truth of who Jesus is, and like Corey said, you said yes to Jesus at some point, you've placed your faith upon him and you have surrendered yourself to his authority in your life, that's not something that can be hidden. That's not something that should be hidden. Ever. There, now, contextually, we get that there's different context in this. There are people in places like China and, and communist nations where, like, for them to actually do the work of ministry, they have to sort of, like, do it covertly. We get that. I have a friend somewhere in Iran right now, but we don't know where because he can't tell us because if any of that news somehow gets out that he's ministering the gospel in this Muslim nation, he's a goner. Now, to be a martyr for the Lord is, is amazing. That's in terms of like, if you truly give your life for Jesus, there's nothing wrong with that. But for him to do the work of ministry, he has to be covert in that. But the point is, is he's not being secretive about it. He's just strategically working where God has placed him. But how this affects you and me in our day here in Oregon, in the United States of America, says, man, the thing that we have, this light that we have inside of us, 
man, it's not something that's supposed to be hidden. It's not something that's supposed to be secret. In fact, the whole point of having the light is so that it can be shown to those around us. That the light of Jesus, the truth of what we know about Jesus, that he died on the cross to forgive our sins and promise us eternal life. That that light that we hold within ourselves is to be shared with anyone and everyone around us. There should be no secret about who it is that we serve and what the purpose is of our life. Now, here's the thing that I think is important to understand. As we move from the farming analogy, the seed being planted into the ground and then producing something, the word of God being produced, uh, producing spiritual growth in us, and then we move into the lamp under a basket, the light analogy that he uses here. The purpose of the light being shown in our lives is not simply for evangelism. It is. That's how God uses us. That's how the message of the gospel is spread. For some reason, he chose us, these, these uh, immature, faulty, broken creations of his, and said, I'm going to give you light, and your job is to go out and share that light with other people. And you're just like, Jesus, I didn't apply for that job. I, I'd like to do something else in your kingdom. But the truth is, is regardless of what you do in God's kingdom, that's a non-negotiable piece that we are all called to, to show the light of Christ to the world. But it's not just for the purpose of evangelism. It is a continuation of our spiritual growth. That's the whole point, I think, that we see here in regard to what Jesus is teaching. It's, it's for our good and our growth that we allow our light to shine out into the world. Now, look at what Jesus says here. This is something that, that when you read through scripture yourself, if you ever see these words, this is like a wake-up moment. This is like a big old flashing sign that says, really take heed, like really pay attention to what's going on here. Look at what he says in verse 23. When Jesus uses this phrase, this is like, man, perk up. You should be paying attention to this. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If you want to please the Lord, if you want to be deep in your relationship with Jesus, if you want to grow spiritually, Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, if you're willing to hear what I have to say, listen. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. And then, check this out. He goes even further in verse 24. And he said to them, verbatim, this isn't me interpreting, this isn't me trying to catch you. Jesus says, pay attention. If Jesus ever says, pay attention, don't you think it's worth like just stopping whatever we're doing at that moment and just like pay attention? Who gets distracted in their devotional time in the morning or, or when you sp try and spend time with the Lord? Yeah, amen, sister, right? Like we're there. Like I get up early and I try and spend devotional time. Do you realize like technology is great for certain things? I've got the whole Bible reading app on my phone and somebody with a really great voice as James Earl Jones is reading me the Bible in the morning. And that's awesome. That's great. But the fact that it's on my phone is just a distraction because I have to actually go to my phone and turn on the thing and then, oh, there's a notification and there's a thing and while I'm listening, I could also do fill in the blank, right? Man, I get distracted. But when Jesus says, pay attention, I think that's worthwhile to stop whatever else we're doing and go, okay, Jesus wants to say something. Why don't I actually pay attention? Check out what he says though. Verse 24, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be added to you. And still more, pardon me, 
with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. What is this thing that we're supposed to be using? What is Jesus talking about with the measure you use? Well, he's just talked about the light that each one of us who knows Jesus has. Whatever light has been given to us, Jesus Jesus just said, if you use that light, whatever it is that you've been given, I'll provide for it. And if you use the light that I've given you, I'll actually even give you more, right? Do you see how that connects to our spiritual growth? That whatever stage you're at in your walk with Jesus, maybe you're a baby Christian. Maybe you just came to the understanding that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross to save your sins, and that if you trust him, you get the promise of eternal life. You get to be with him forever in a place where there's no crying, no tears, no sorrow, and no, 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 no pain. That's eternity with Jesus. Maybe that's all you know about the Christian story. But here's what Jesus says. If you let that light shine out into the world, Jesus says, I'll provide for that. I'll give you more light. The more you share, the more you give out, Jesus says, the more I'll fill you up. Right? Like that's, that's the joy of this relationship. If we're pursuing Jesus, if we're going after Jesus and then doing the work that he's called us to, we're going to grow spiritually. That's the equation. That's how it works. Now, here's the thing. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you're looking at other Christians and you start comparing yourself to other Christians and you're like, how come I don't seem to have the opportunities to share the gospel with people that Joe Schmo does down the road? How is it that he's always the one sharing the gospel with someone? Or perhaps you find yourself in a position where you're like, man, I feel like I've never actually done the work that Jesus called me to do. I've never led anyone to Jesus. And have you ever thought to yourself, why is it that I don't seem to be having the opportunities to share the gospel or lead someone to Christ? Here's the answer. Because you haven't shared the gospel or led anyone to Christ. That's why. Wait a minute. No, I just told you I haven't had the opportunity. No, no, no. See, we all have opportunity to do that. Whether we do or not is where we see Jesus filling in, right? Like if, if we've been given the gospel, if we know even the littlest bit of truth about the gospel, we have something to share. We have something to give to someone else. And the moment we do that, all of a sudden, the floodgates seem to open and I can't stop sharing about Jesus. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Right? Like that's how that works. That as we take what we've been given and we pour it out, Jesus says, I'm just going to give you more. I'm just going to give you more and more and more. Now, there's a flip side to this in what Jesus is saying. There's the other side of the coin, and this is the scary part. He said to them, Pay attention to what you hear, verse 24. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you're using the light that you have, it's going to be provided for you. I'll give you that light, Jesus says, and I'll even add more to you. If you're out doing the things that I've asked you to do, you're on mission, I'll add more to you. But look at verse 25. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. There seems to be this principle in what Jesus is saying. Use it or lose it. 
I really think that's what Jesus is saying. You've been entrusted with this truth. You've been entrusted with this light. You've been entrusted with this grace. There seems to be a warning that says, if you're not using the thing that you've been given, there's a good chance you might see it actually receding in your life. Perhaps you've been at a place spiritually in your life where you feel like you're losing faith. That at one point you were excited about the Lord, you were excited about walking with Jesus, you were in fellowship, you were in devotion, you were in prayer, all of those things, and yet there's a certain part of your life that now you're just like, I don't know, I just don't feel the same anymore. I can't, I can't seem to grasp that same zeal or that same energy that I had when I first came to know the Lord. Well, one of Jesus' letters in the book of Revelation talks about this. He says, you've lost your first love. Did you find a reason to not be in fellowship? Ah, the kid's a sports thing and I had to be gone. Or, ah, there was the house project I had to do. Ah, they, I can skip Sunday morning, I'll be okay. Now, Wednesday nights, it's tough to get to Bible study. I don't know, it's kind of like too much Bible for me at this point. Have you neglected the time that you're supposed to spend with the Lord and just give your heart to him and pour out to him the things that are within you and that you're struggling with and have that fellowship with him? When's the last time he came to the table of communion and actually had fellowship with Jesus and went, oh my gosh, I'm just a wreck. Jesus, I need your grace. If you find yourself in that position, can I suggest to you that if you haven't been using the thing that you've been given by Jesus, that it will just fade away. The Christian life is a lifelong effort. It's a lifelong struggle. And just like anything else that allows us to be healthy, physically, mentally, spiritually, for us to be healthy and growing, my goodness, it requires discipline and effort. We have to be in fellowship. We have to be in God's word. We have to have uh, discipline in the things of God, prayer and devotion, That's how we get filled up. If we don't use those things that we've been given, we will lose them. Now, this section of scripture has been used in different contexts as a sort of high-powered health and wealth, prosperity teaching, depending on what tradition you come from. And and oftentimes, Jesus' words here have been taken and applied to specifically money, where, where the, the Bible teacher will say, listen, if you give your money to the Lord, you'll get more. And, that, and that's a teaching that I will just say comes from the pit of hell. It is an absolute abomination of the gospel. And here's why. Because this scripture is not about accumulation. It's about provision. Accumulation is not a Christian virtue. The old bumper sticker holds true. He who dies with the most toys still dies, right? Gaining anything to ourself, finances, possessions, a reputation, right? Status, none of that is a Christian virtue. The way of Christ to go up is actually to go down. Jesus came as the word says, the servant of of all. Jesus didn't look on anybody and go, I'm better than him. And if anybody had the right to say that, Jesus is better than everyone else. He's God. But Jesus never said that. He said, I'm here to serve you. Now he served in multiple ways. There were times when he was gentle. 
and he was kind and he was peaceful. And there was other times where he raked people across the coals because they needed it. But in all of those circumstances, he was serving people. That was his heart was to serve. And so this scripture is not about accumulating anything for ourselves or serving God with the hope or expectation of something in return. I've done my time. I set up the chairs. I did the thing. I led worship. I taught Bible studies. I prayed for people. I served a meal, all those kinds of things. What do I get now, Jesus? You get to do more of that. You get to keep serving all the way until glory. And then the truth is, is that our life in eternity will continue to be service in the sense of we're simply going to be worshiping the Lord in eternity. That's our job as the created beings is to serve and worship our creator. This isn't about accumulation. It's about provision. Accumulation of worldly possessions is not a Christian virtue. As followers of Jesus, in fact, we're called to do two things that are very, very different from the world's perspective. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, says that we're supposed to pray without ceasing and we're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances. Rich, poor. Successful, a failure. Flush with friends and money and experiences, alone in a dark room. We're supposed to be thankful. You want to know why following Jesus is a lifelong pursuit? Because that's hard. It's hard to be thankful in all circumstances. It's hard to actually pray the Lord's Prayer and mean it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a hard prayer. But Jesus told us that's the way we're supposed to pray. Not only are we supposed to be thankful in all circumstances, but 1 Timothy 6.8 tells us that we are to be content in our earthly life with just two things. Two things. Food and clothing. That's it. If you've got a full belly and a shirt on your back, that's it. There's nothing more that you should have an expectation of. Anything more that you add to that list that says, and I expect, fill in the blank. Whatever it is that perhaps you think you're entitled to or that we might expect in life because of our hard work and effort, it's, it's simply a blessing. It's simply in addition to the things that God says, be content with these things. If you got food in your stomach and clothes on your back, boom, that's it. That's all you need. Well, what about a house? Jesus didn't have a house. Well, that's different. It was first century Judea. So? It was Jesus, right? The expectation of anything more than what God provides for us, it, it's, it's unreasonable. It's unbiblical. But again, Jesus' teaching is if you use what I've given you for the purpose that I've entrusted to you, I'll give you more. I will provide for you. Your, your needs will be met. And in addition to your needs being met, I'll, I'll bless you even over and above those things. As long as we have the right perspective on that, then wealth is not a problem. Although scripture warns us that wealth, money, possessions, is a stumbling block. It is a root of evil. Where do we see people go wrong in church ministry? When money gets involved. Let's just be honest. Where do we see problems in the world? Where money is involved, Right? So to detach ourselves from the expectation of receiving something is the key. If God chooses to bless and to give, awesome. Be a good steward of those things. Keep giving. 
Don't think I've gotten to the limit of what I'm supposed to give because of my tax-sheltered annuity or because I've given 10% or whatever the arbitrary number is. Give because Jesus gave you for the purpose of giving. That's the concept here. Now, when you have been given light, when you have received illumination, and then you use it, you will receive even more. How? How do I receive illumination or light from the Lord? Let me give you two things to take note of today in regard to how we receive light and illumination from the Lord. Number one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. Jesus said in John 16, verse 13, he says, I have to go away, but when I go, I'm going to send to you the comforter, the Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus says that he will lead you into all the truth. For us to understand God's purposes, his will for us, the things that he wants in our lives, it's through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit working in us that he leads us into truthful things. Mark down as well 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, speaking of this same topic. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, the apostle Paul would say this. But as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Awesome. You love the Lord? You can't even imagine the good things that he wants to do to you. Continues on in verse 10. These things, the plans that God has for you, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. How, how do we know what we're supposed to do with the light that we've received? When we know something about Jesus, something about the faith, how do I know what I'm supposed to do with that? The presence of the Holy Spirit will lead you into that truth. And the cool thing is you're like, well, wait a minute. What if, what if I get the whole spirit thing wrong? Like, what if, I, what if I think I'm hearing from the spirit, but it seems weird? Like, it's not normally what I would think about in terms of what God would have me do. There's this beautiful, beautiful thing God has given us to confirm if the spirit is actually speaking to us and what we're hearing is right. What is that? The second thing to take aware, awareness of in regard to illumination is God's word. Holy Scripture. Mark down Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 130. That ain't even the end of it. 130. Psalm 119, 130. This is what it says. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. It doesn't matter how academic you, you are or are not. You may think, listen... All this theological talk and all the Bible studies, like, I'm not there. I just need to know how to not go to hell. Like, that may be your perspective and, and position right now, and that's awesome because that is an important part of knowing Jesus. But here's the thing. God's word, as you take it in, it actually illuminates you to the things of God. So that even if you find yourself to be a simple person, hey, I'm a nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes, I'm just a simple person. As you read God's word, you're going to receive illumination into things. You're going to start understanding things in a way that you cannot by yourself. 
those two things together, the work of the Holy Spirit and the affirmation of Holy Scripture is incredibly important. They work together. When you hear something from the Holy Spirit and you're just like, that does seem weird. Can I find that in Scripture? And you don't find it in Scripture. And you go to someone and you're like, hey, this thing that I think the Holy Spirit's saying, do you know of any place in Scripture where it's found? And the brother or sister's like, no. Then you're like, okay, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. Right? That's how weird things happen in the church. People are like, no, it was the Spirit. Well, we can't find that in the Word. Don't try and limit God. Problem. God gave us his word to affirm the things that the Spirit teaches us and leads us into. They work together, and they come from the same source. So it's important for us to understand that both the Holy Spirit and God's word, they they are given to us to be able to discern the things of God, the light that we've received so that we might go out and use that light appropriately. Let me finish with this. We're going to blast through this. So back in Mark chapter 4. He then continues with two more parables, two more parables. He's gone from farming and how the word of God grows in the life of a follower of Jesus and bears fruit and how that, that thing that Christians have, that light, that illumination, how that's supposed to be used and can't be hidden, not just for the sake of evangelism, but for our own spiritual growth and that if we don't use it, we're gonna lose it. Then he goes on and tells these two parables. Look, verse 26 And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Here's the thing. When we start doing the things of God and we start following and obeying what he has called us to do, the result of those things, that spiritual growth, 30, 60, 100, or the life of someone is saved and they become a follower of Jesus as well, that has nothing to do with us. We're just the farmers, you guys. We just do the work that we're supposed to do. We plant the seeds, we water the soil, we tend the, 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 the farm, right? That's our job. How the thing is actually produced Like, I get it. Like, I understand the science of it, right? A seed into soil and water and manure all over it. Like, I get all that, okay? But how it actually happens at a cellular level, right? That's that's not for me to know. God makes it happen. So where you and I walk faithfully and we just do the things Jesus has given us, we don't have to worry about the result. That's God's work. He's the one that produces the results. And here's the thing. Look at his next parable. Verse 30. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can come nest in its shade. Here's the thing said at the beginning, and I want to finish with this, doesn't matter how much light you have. Doesn't matter the volume. It's what you do with it. That little scripture verse that you know, that little way that you know how to pray, that little bit of faith that you might have, when you put that to work, when you use that in the way that Jesus has called you to use that to give a testimony to his love and grace and his salvation, 
hey, not only does God bring the results, right? But he can use that little itty bit that you have to offer to turn into something grand and beautiful and great beyond all measure. Things that we could never expect. How many of us have prayed desperate prayers of faith that God would save people, that God would heal people, and with whatever measure of faith we had that we prayed those prayers, how glorious is it that when God answers according to his will and we see someone come to the Lord and, and saved for eternity, when we see someone healed, that we're able to say, I, I don't know how it happened. I only had this much faith, but God did something far greater than I could ever imagine. What a great testimony. And in doing that, what Jesus says is that we will continually be filled more and more to keep doing that work. The gospel that we have to share, the news, that the good news that Jesus died and rose again, it's for our own growth, it's for our own spiritual development, but it is also to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave us. There's two things that we're called to do. We're called to worship God in spirit and truth. We're called to go out and make disciples of the nations. We need to worship and we need to be on mission. And the way that we do that is that we walk out the doors here, hopefully filled up with God's word, hopefully with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, our hearts on fire for the things of God, so that we go out and we simply shine a light. Amen? Amen.